Coming to you from the Black Swan Media Studios, this is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. All right, everyone, this is better. We are now working. We are broadcasting live on YouTube, Facebook, DLive, Twitter, Twitch, and everywhere else where you can get everything. Plus, tomorrow we'll be, we'll be on every podcast provider. All right, my name is John Crump. I am the Virginia Director of Gun Owners of America. I am also an investigative journalist with MLN.com, the best damn website on the planet. Today, we are brought to you by Tusk. Tusk is the only gun-friendly cryptocurrency on the market. And that's when the... I'm doing bad today. There we go. Proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet. With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. Okay, and we're not only brought to you by Tusk, but we also brought to you by Black Swan Tactical. Black Swan Tactical is where you can get some really cool gear at. Black Swan Tactical, your number one source for 2A streetwear. With shirts, mugs, hats, patches, flags, and more, there's always something to help you rep the 2A community. All proceeds go back into our projects. Viewers and listeners can take an additional 10% off with code CRUMPY. Unapologetically pro-gun, pro-liberty, and pro-freedom gear for the front lines of the culture war. And of course, I was, I have a Patreon where you can get cool gear, awesome perks, and help support this channel and my news channel and all the investigative journalism I do. And that is at Patreon, patreon.com slash John Crump. Okay, now let's bring on our guest. Our guest is an actor, executive producer, and director of an upcoming movie. It's called Permafrost. Let's introduce him. And his name is Lenny. Hi, Lenny. Hey guys, yeah. Sorry, so uh, today's been kind of <laughs> crazy. It's it, you got those days sometimes. Yeah. So. so before we get started, what I want to do, I want to take a look at permafrost, and we're, then we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So I want to go ahead and play the trailer, if that's all right with you. Yeah, let's do it. in these dreams from before when the world made more sense to me 
than at other times. Mama told me not to talk to mean, bad people like you. Every faction is scouring the lands looking for this little girl. And you just happen to have her. Drop the gun. slaughtered my family. Wow, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty intense filming it, too. <laughs> yeah, tell us, what is the movie about? So it's about a bounty hunter in this post-apocalyptic world where solar flares have kind of uh, it burnt up part of the world and then the sun in that process weakened. So the earth is kind of frozen over in this permanent uh, snow. The permafrost is where that name came from. But um, the bounty hunter is just living life and he kind of uh, isn't making the right decisions and then he kind of goes on this redemption path as he uh, saves this little girl. So. Uh, that is uh, pretty cool. Uh, you wrote the movie. What inspired you to write the movie? Uh, I personally love post-apocalyptic sci-fi, and so that is the thing I like to watch, and so I make what I like to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a th- that's what I like. I, mean, I, I like that too. I'm really big into post-apocalyptic movies, like Book of Eli is like one of my favorite movies oh, yeah. of all time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that. Spoiler alert, he's blind. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what I like about Book of Eli is when I went back and watched it, there's so many things to show that he's blind, but you miss it the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a ton of little, like, small things there. But when you watch it, you just think he's totally normal guy, just surviving. But, now, what made you decide to make a movie? Uh, Really, it was kind of like COVID was going on, and I hadn't done a feature film yet. And I'd done a lot of short films, uh, which is like a short, short uh, time frame, I guess is the best way to describe a short film. And so I'd done a lot of short films. Uh, I have a series called WROL uh, series, which is also post-apocalyptic. But What's it called? WROL, like without rule of law. Oh. So a lot of preppers are familiar with that term. And uh, we've got a good amount of uh, people that have watched that. There's one called Bug Out, which has like over half a million views. And it's on YouTube. But so I've done a lot of uh, of all this other filmmaking and kind of like learning and figuring stuff out and so i was like i want to do a feature film now i feel like we're ready for it um all the stuff that's been made so far i feel is very cinematic and so um if you make it cinematic in the short (laughs) world why not make a feature film a full-length film and you know make it just as good so that's kind of where that's going yeah i mean it, it looked really cool it was filmed in utah yep in utah uh, we've got some really great uh, like forests and stuff out there. Like 
places we went to go and shoot were just up in the mountains and it was blizzarding a lot of the time. So we had like real snow falling down, none of this fake crap that Hollywood puts in all our films. Um, yeah, just very raw. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob McNeely, who is a great friend of the show and he's actually a sponsor, Tufts.network is right below <laughs> where we're talking at. Uh, he was involved in the movie and uh, he was posting stuff on Instagram and stuff like that with pictures from the scenes and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool to see a little bit behind the scenes. And he's been telling me how great this movie is going to be. Um, so he's a massive supporter of you, by the way. Yeah, no, um, I'm a big supporter of him as well. He's a very talented guy. Yeah. So, uh, you wrote the movie because you like post-apocalyptic stuff and you like to write post-apocalyptic stuff, um, and stuff that you like. Uh, are you familiar with the old YouTuber named Freddie W, uh, rocket jump? I I am familiar. (laughs) Yeah, I subscribe throughout the time that they existed and now they're like rocket jump and they don't do as many little shorts and stuff now, yeah. but it's kind of gone bigger. I watched the old interview with him and Brandon Lash, who used to be his partner, mm-hmm. and they were talking about going through film school. And the reason why they were making the short films that they were is because they liked them they were talking about how they were in film school and people were like bashing transformers and they're like, yeah, well, who would watch a movie with giant robots and stuff? And they, and mm-hmm. they're talking about how they were fitting there both like, well, we would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A big population would. <laughs> That's yeah. why they've got like, I don't know how many they've made now, but they've made a lot of, you know. Yeah. But their point was, was the film industry is a little bit snobbish. Mm-hmm. They, oh, yeah. Do you find that to be true? Um, there's definitely a more artistic uh, crowd out there in the film community. Um, I would say the indie film community, they're much more artistic. And Transformers is more like entertainment. It's not like artistic. There's no like um, secret message that's behind it. It's usually pretty straightforward explosions and robots fighting and blowing things up. That's kind of what Transformers in is. And uh, I think there's definitely a lot of people that just want to go and be entertained. And so that's what that is. It entertains and it uh, probably makes money as well. But yeah. if yep. it didn't make money, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael Bay always does explosions. And he's not my favorite director, but yeah. he likes it. They asked him one time, why do you make all these explosions in your movie? And he's like, I like explosions. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said you made the movie Wasn't about cool. post-apocalyptic <laughs> stuff because you like post-apocalyptic stuff, it made me think of those two examples. Yeah. Uh, no, I, the I, Freddie W. and Michael Bay. Yeah, I definitely like, uh, I, I've done a good amount of bushcraft and survival and um, I'm kind of of the mindset of the prepper mindset. So, that kind of like starts to feed into the stuff that I like to tell stories about. So like you kind of get a little bit of that in there and that's kind of why. How long did it take you to write the movie? Uh, it was a few months. It wasn't too long. Um, I mean, COVID was started like February ish. I, I want to say it was a little bit after that because I did like a little short film during COVID and then like 
is like, okay, well, let's do a film during winter because winter is actually a time when no one makes films uh, here in Utah. It usually kind of just dies, like literally no one's doing anything. So I was like, well, let's go do something. Like, let's make a film. We'll go shoot in the snow. <laughs> well, best way to describe it, Mad Max meets The Revenant is what uh, this film is kind of similar to. And that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. So you wrote it, uh, produced it, and filmed it all like within a year which is yeah an insane timeline yeah it was a lot of work too Uh, don't don't get me wrong we didn't have a big hollywood budget to hire a bunch of people so a lot of the time many people were doing lots of things that that usually they don't have to on this hollywood film so it's a lot of uh passionate people that have worked on this project and you know made it what it is have you worked on any other big films um, I was a featured extra in some big <laughs> back when I just had started. Uh, it was on Netflix called Small Town Crime. That was kind of fun. Uh, Got to throw around the main actor and stuff. Um, other than that, it's mostly been stuff that's been happening locally in uh, Utah. Off the top of my head, I, I can't think of any big ones other than that. Well, th- that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, how did you find all the actors and everything to be in it? Um, so a lot of them are friends that I've met over my entire uh, film career, I guess I could call it. Um, and it kind of makes it easy when you're writing, if you know actors who you have in mind for those roles, because you can kind of write them in a way that that person would act it. And so then casting them is very easy and they don't have to do a lot more than be themselves and play the role. So having like five years of, actor people to pull on that I've just because I've done acting myself so I've taken acting classes with people in Utah multiple acting classes here and met lots of people and that's kind of where that pool of people those talented uh, actors that are have come from Is there a big film community in Utah? Oh it's it's big it's huge <laughs> there's some Facebook groups that have like I want to say it has over almost 20,000 people in them and that's just the people that are in the Facebook groups some people don't use Facebook so it's a big acting community. I don't know if you're familiar with Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah, so a good amount of actors who are in that, uh, they were cast from Utah because Yellowstone was initially being filmed in Utah for up until season three, I think it was. And then season four went to Montana, I want to say. And then now they're still in Montana. But, yeah, there's a big acting community here. Yeah, uh, where can people watch Permafrost? Is it out yet? When when is it coming out? When's the release? It's not out yet. It's still in post production, so we still have editing we're doing as well as getting uh, like composed music and sound uh, finalized with the film. And uh, when it is out, we'll probably it, it depends on what distribution we end up getting, but for sure it's going to be on Amazon, so it'll be viewable there and. Um, Possibly on Apple. It just depends what platforms we end up putting it on. The major ones is what we'd like to do. There's a possibility that we'll also put it towards like festivals, and that could slow it down a little bit. Because if we send it to Sundance, then you can't actually have it on uh, a viewable platform until Sundance has shown it. So that's also this yeah. all depends at the moment we're kind of like fluid it's not sure like what the solid plan is just yet which route we're going um but if you go to sundance it usually means distribution someone buys it and then they put it out into theaters and stuff 
Okay, yeah, uh, Swamp Dog Armory says he's planning on working on a 3D project with with you. I don't yes. know if you've seen his stuff. It's uh, his 3D stuff. Yes, he he has talked to me on uh, Instagram a good amount. So we are in, we are in contact. <laughs> yeah, um, his 3D stuff is really, really cool. Yep. Uh, I, I was down in Georgia with him, and he has a 3D tablet that you don't need glasses. I would love to see that. That would actually be kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool. It reminds you of like the you know the Iron Man hologram stuff. Really? Yeah, that's what that's what it looks like. It's 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 really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he was showing it to me. It's like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, no, that, that's that's kind of some futuristic stuff, but definitely a sci-fi film could use some of that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna have some interesting sci-fi films coming out. Um, mm-hmm. I know that that they're planning on filming one partially in space. In space? Yeah, I think it's gonna be a Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> that guy's nuts, man. <laughs> he just like he does all his stunts like jumps out of like a halo whatever airplane a halo drop or whatever and uh, he's good he's gonna hurt himself one of these days well it already has but like hopefully not worse (laughs) yeah here it is yeah he is going it's gonna be uh it's a joint venture between tom cruise and elon musk oh really yes so he's contracted out with x space stuff going so yeah, uh, SpaceX. They're not X Yeah, uh, and Jim Bernstein. I don't know who that is. I'm not familiar. Oh, he's a NASA guy. Okay. So I guess uh, he's. Uh, oh, he's. Uh, NASA administrator, so it's going to be NASA, Elon Musk, and Tom Cruise, and it's going to be filmed partially in the wow. International Space Space Station. That's going to be crazy. Like, yeah, everything very realistic. I mean, it'll be cool because it'll be like real space, you know, gravity and stuff. Like, all the fake ones are like decent that are in most films, but yeah. Yeah, uh, Country Gunger Gal says the 3D stuff is definitely something you want to see with in, in, um, in real life with your own eyes. And I agree with that because yeah. I was, I mean, I've seen 3D stuff with glasses, but this is insane. Mm-hmm. I really That'd like be cool to see. I, I'd be down to see it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so how'd you get in, uh, involved with uh, Rob McNeely of Tusk? Um, Rob actually connected with an actor that I know um, from Glenn Morshower's class. Uh, Glenn Morshower, he's an actor you've probably seen in every single film. He's like usually the general, like in Transformers, he's the general. What's his name? So, uh, Glenn Morshower. Okay. So he taught a class in, uh, for actors in Utah for, I don't know, it was like almost two years or something. But Rob had gone there and met this guy that I had met. And so we ended up getting connected through that connection. And uh, 
me and him talked uh, mostly about like acting and then Tusk and then filmmaking for Tusk. And then like Rob wanted to also be involved with making uh, uh, this feature film. And so we've been heavily, he's, he's one of the EPs as well on permafrost and he's been helping a ton and been great working with him. Yeah. I pulled up that guy's uh, acting list and it's insane. Yeah, no, he's he's like the general in every film. <laughs> like they've typecast him as the general, the general. It's always the general. I mean, I'm I'm scrolling through, and from like 1976 to he's, now, it's just movie after movie after movie. Yeah, no, he's uh, he has 230 acting credits. He's a busy guy. <laughs> he has one, two. He has five movies coming out. Mm-hmm. Wow. He's a very cool guy. Uh, he gives, like, positive um, motivational speeches to, like, big companies and stuff like that. He's just got a very good outlook on life and, and whatnot, which is very nice to to have that, I guess. And, and he would do a lot of that discussion in his classes as well about that sort of thing. Yeah. So Rob is into acting? Yeah, Rob has done some acting classes as well. He's dabbled in quite a bit of that, and then now he's been dabbling a lot in filmmaking as well while we've been making the film, learning a lot of things about camera and just everything filmmaking, really. What isn't Rob involved in? Uh, Rob is super multi-talented. Right? Uh, he seems to be involved in everything, man. I think he's done, like, everything, too. It's not just that he's involved with everything. He's, like, he's done a lot of stuff, like... He just knows a lot. He's a welder. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like welded his mailbox at his house and his fireplace. He welded his whole fireplace and it's like insanely well done, too. Like, whatever he does, he usually does it very well. Yeah, he, he does. Uh, he's a really cool guy. Um, I got to hang out with him like uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, was that at the uh, that YouTube uh, gun event? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw some uh, video of that. It looked fun. Yeah, a lot of machine guns. A lot of uh, cool people out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was out there for Gun Owners of America. Mm-hmm. So it was it was really fun. So you're into prepping a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I'd say I I, I prep. To an extent, I'm not crazy. I mean, I've got guns, I've got ammo, I've got your tactical body armor and kit, you know, and then some food storage and whatnot. Like I said, not as crazy as some people, but I, I do my dabbling in it as well. So I think it's it's good to be prepared, like even just a little. Yeah, I mean, it it is. The COVID has taught a lot of people about that. Mm-hmm. With all the shortages and stuff like that, yeah. I have tons of toilet paper. I'm kind of a prepper myself, <laughs> and everyone used to give me a hard time about having all this toilet paper <laughs> until they could not get toilet paper. Then the same people who used to give me a hard time about having all this toilet paper, like, "Hey, uh, you got any toilet paper I can borrow?" <laughs> I'm like. I'm like Nope. Right. 
Yeah, no, after uh, COVID, I had toilet paper. I didn't have to buy any for... <laughs> I didn't have to buy toilet paper for quite some time. Nope. Like, all year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had, the, I had the toilet paper, the hand sanitizer, I had the mask and everything. Like, right. It's like, and people are running around with like chickens with their heads cut off and I'm, I was just sitting back being like, eh, I got it all. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's really funny. What type of cameras did you, did you use the red cameras in the filming or? Yeah. So for permafrost, we shot on the red Komodo, which is actually a brand new one that red has uh, released. Um, and it's actually really hard to buy them now because of the shortages that have been happening because of COVID. I'm not sure familiar with all the transistor or whatever shortages yeah so like three i think it's like three months or something there's a wait list for a red komodo now and just nuts you know like if i hadn't bought a so you, they have like their four, first line of uh cameras that go out called stormtroopers and they're all white and so if i hadn't bought that we wouldn't even have had one of those to shoot this so. Yeah, for people who don't know, red is like the Ferrari of uh, cinematic film cameras. I would say it's like one of them because <laughs> there's yeah. like there's Alexas, and then there's like you know there's 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 big big cameras aside. So like there's Black Magic, red. And I'd say Alexa's kind of the, the the Lamborghini Countach or whatever. You're, yeah. And those ones usually get really expensive. Like the most expensive red, the cheapest Alexa is usually the same price. So, but red yeah. is used a lot by uh, the big film uh, industry. Like just it's it's standard. I think so. You can definitely see a lot of films filmed on that. I know Slump Dog Armory. Uh, his uh, his stuff is filmed on a red camera. The 3D stuff. Mm-hmm. Is, is he the red hydrogen? Yeah, yeah. So they came out with the hydrogen. I'm not too familiar with it, but I remember they were. He's actually mentioning it. They they were offering a discount for people who own the the hydrogen when they buy their Komodo. So you can get like a hundred or a thousand bucks off or something. Um, yeah, I think they've discontinued the hydrogen, but it was kind of like the red cell phone. But it had like a really good camera and like you know it was totally kitted out. <laughs> yeah, one thing about red is Sorry, you, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> one thing about red is when you buy a red camera, you get the red camera. You don't get anything else with it. Yeah, you got to go and buy all the stuff that needs to be put on it, so you end up spending a bunch of money there too. It's it pricey. Oh, it gets very pricey because you get the camera and it's like, well, where? How how do I power it? Well, it doesn't come with anything to power. It. You got to yeah. buy that. <laughs> batteries. <laughs> you got to buy this. You got to buy that. You got to buy a lens. You got to buy this. Oh yeah, you might want a tripod that's good too, because then your camera's a little heavier. Not that heavy with the red mode, but yeah, um, I, I don't know why red does that. It, it's most of the production quality. The bigger cameras start doing that. Even like Black Magic, like. You get just the body, and then if you want like handles for your shoulder mount type, you got to start paying for that. And then like if you want an eyepiece to look through rather than a monitor, you got to pay for that. So it just like all starts adding up. The accessories just prices increase. It's like it's like guns. You buy accessories and they're expensive. <laughs> like you can buy a Geisley trigger and it's like two hundred forty bucks. 
It's yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's similar, similar to any other hobby uh, accessories. I was end up costing a lot more, and yeah, yeah. The the dedicated uh, 3D camera that he got from Red, that Font Dog Armor got from Red, was also discontinued. Yeah. I hope they don't uh, discontinue the the Komodo, but I don't think they will because it's it's very popular and a lot of people are using it. So I think it's going to be a one they're going to keep doing more of, have another iteration. You know, because it's kind of what they've done with their other Reds is they've gone through these different iterations where they upgrade the computer inside or the the sensor and stuff like that. They're like uh, like what is it like between seven uh, like. Seven thousand dollars, I guess. So you can get it for six thousand. I think it's like five nine nine five or something for the black Komodo. But if you buy the Stormtrooper, it's like I think it was a thousand dollars more. What's and the difference? It's white. <laughs> you also get it earlier. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, they use Canon lenses too, right? Uh, yes, they actually went with the RF mount, which is the new mount that Canon has started to do on their mirrorless cameras. And you can put an adapter on to use the old EF mount, which is the old Canon lenses, but those are all Canon. But the cool thing is with RF is you can convert to EF or to PL or to whatever uh, other mounts that are out there. So you can use pretty much any lens. You just have to get the right converter. Yeah, I have a mirrorless camera with an RF, and I have an EF adapter that I use a lot. Yep, and then the cool thing is also with that is that you have, like, the uh, converter can also have ND filters on it. And if you're familiar with ND filters, when it's too bright outside, you can just throw those on, and you don't have to put, like, a separate ND on your lens. Yeah. Um, when it- people now. <laughs> People not might not want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah, when when I when when I bought uh, like my phone my mirrorless camera with the RF, I, I was like, man, I got all these EF lenses. Yep. So, luckily, luckily, you can still use them. <laughs> yeah, luckily, I could still use them. So just through adapter, and most of the time, I just shoot with an adapter on there, just because I don't want to buy a bunch of new RF lenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What type of um? What type of advice can you give people who want to make a movie or or do a screenplay like actually make a film yeah or write a screenplay write a screenplay writing yeah. uh so i would recommend a book called save the cat and if you read that book it'll give you a good idea of what a good screenplay includes um kind of will give you an outline and then I don't think you should ever follow an outline completely because then it becomes canned and it's very obvious to the trained eye when your story is going someplace and it's about to go elsewhere. It's easy to figure out. Um, For your typical audience, it probably works fine for me. I usually notice exactly what's going to happen if they're using a canned formula. So I like to write creatively and also come up with something that's a little bit different than what the normal canned thing is that, Hollywood's using with a lot of their films. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with all, all the Marvel films. They usually follow a very typical story arc. Like, it, it's always the same. It's it's very annoying. <laughs> yeah, but Marvel. I mean, 
uh, he, why change a formula when you can turn on a movie every couple months <laughs> exactly. to make a billion dollars? Exactly. I mean, at some point you're, you're aimed at an audience that makes you money and they don't care about that stuff. And then you've got your audience that's like a little bit more versed in filmmaking that they're like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. And they, they kind of get bothered by it, which would be like probably my, my demographic. Yeah. And yeah. But Kevin, most of the time they're making tons of money off those films. So yeah. Uh, Kevin Feige looks, looks at it and like, Oh, I should change it. Oh, it's not like I make a billion dollars per movie. <laughs> yeah, no, no. They're, they're in the money-making industry. Like, that's what they're there for. And if they're having success with it, then they're going to continue to do it. And that's why they keep making more Marvel films. It's like uh, the cowboy films that they used to make back in the day, you know, the spaghetti westerns. Like, there was a ton of those. And then at some point, those stopped working, and then they just died off. So I, I figure at some point, Marvel is going to have to switch it up because... Uh, I think those comic book movies will either people will get tired of them or something will happen. That's, that's just my prediction, but uh, well, here's the thing. This is something interesting because I follow all this stuff. Uh, DC was going to do a shared universe and then mm -hmm. they decided a shared universe wouldn't work because they said, once we get up, once we get up around like, you know, like 20 films, Who's going to watch 20 films to be able to understand yeah. what's going to happen in a film? So they decided not to do it. Um, and so Marvel tried it, and guess what? They found out people will watch 20 films to figure out what's yep. going to happen. Marvel's done a really good job with like making solid films. Um, DC has tried to make solid films, and I think the only one that was like really good was Wonder Woman, the first one. The second one... I feel like it kind of failed on the storytelling. Like the story wasn't as good as the first one. There was just some, some flaw in it because it didn't work as well. Um, Aquaman was okay, I think, but like the, and Zack Snyder's cut was a little bit better. I liked it a little bit better, but uh, yeah, DC's kind of flopped a, a little bit with their, you know, superhero films. Well, I think uh, part of the problem is that, um, Marvel, Kevin Feige has the final say. So you have one guy over the whole thing. So you have a single person that has a final say over whatever happens in the movie. He doesn't write the movies, but he can veto a movie or tell somebody to rewrite it or whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, DC, Warner Brothers, they use a boardroom approach where you have mm -hmm. all these different people putting input in. Uh so, so you have more more control. Each filmmaker has more control over what happens in their film. Yeah. So what I think happens is since you have different filmmakers, they take different stances, and you don't have one guy who is like the overall god of that right. universe. Yep. Uh, I would agree somewhat with that. So you have like you have like a constant theme, and a constant yeah, you, in the same you, type you, of film. You really need someone like that though, because when you have that many films, it kind of becomes like a series. And usually, TV series is they have like a like a showrunner. They have someone, yeah, the showrunner who's in charge of it. And so you got directors on each episode, but you got a showrunner who's like 
you know, coordinating everything. So I feel like DC, that probably would have been a good thing if they had done that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a why their uh, stuff doesn't really work mm. as well. Cause you know, Absolutely. like what are you saying? Like the wonder woman has a different feeling from like the, you know, uh, uh, Superman movies to have a different feeling for the Batman movies have a different mm. feeling from the justice league movies. They all feel yeah. Different. Although the Zack Snyder Snyder cut is a lot better. Yeah, I liked it better. I felt like it. It felt like a DC film. You know. Yeah, a Swamp Dog brings up the DC animated films, which are awesome, but they have a single showrunner mm. for the animated films. I don't know why they didn't do it for the actual live sense. action films. Right. So who are some of your inspirations in the filmmaking world? Um, let's see. I like the Coen brothers, I like Tarantino, um, James Cameron. Um, some of my favorite films are from James Cameron, like Terminator, you know, aliens, like a yeah. lot of his stuff is just awesome to me. Um, who else? John Krasinski has done some pretty cool stuff with like uh, The Quiet Place. I don't know, I watched the second one recently. Yeah. Ooh, what's up, Rob? Yeah. Um, Steven Spielberg, he hasn't, a lot of like, even like Michael Bay, he started to produce a lot of stuff. Like a lot of these directors that we're very familiar with, they've actually started producing a lot of films now. So you'll, you'll see their names in producing credits and not in the directing credits, but they're still involved. Like producers are very heavily involved with films. So. We're still seeing a lot of those guys, like uh, Quiet Place Two. I was surprised to see Michael's Bay, Michael Bay's name on it because it's like no explosions in it. <laughs> but <clears throat> he's he's been busy. Um, Michael Bay School. I think he's a inspiring uh, filmmaker because he likes to go and get involved. If you ever watch BTS or behind the scenes footage, um, you'll see him with the camera and like shooting stuff, or he's like you know, doing whatever that needs to be done to tell the story. And I think that's like kind of cool to see a filmmaker do that rather than some filmmaker that just says, I'm the director and sits over there and watches the monitor. Like, I think it's cool when they, they're willing to get dirty, like, and, and get to work. Yeah. It just shows their commitment and everything. You know? but, yeah. I, I saw um, some behind the scenes, um, of, of the Michael Bay uh, of 13 hours mm-hmm. and he was up on a crane actually behind the camera yeah exactly he filming. doesn't like he's actually very involved uh, there was Songbird I don't know that was the one he, they filmed during uh, COVID I saw a BTS on Red's YouTube where he's in a like so they used like a wheelchair kind of thing to sit in and he's the one holding the camera as someone's pushing him along chasing after the lead talent down in this hallway. And it's like, cool, dude. <laughs> he gets down dirty. He doesn't just sit there and watch. All right, let's get to some of the questions out there. What is some of your advice on filming a fight scene? Oh, filming a fight scene. Honestly, go and do it. That's that's my biggest advice. Go and watch some YouTube videos on like Film Riot. They've got a ton of uh, stuff on choreographed fight scenes. And then watch more. And then write your script and figure out, like, pre-plan what you want to do when you're going to film it and then go film it. Because when you go and film it, you're going to run into a bunch of stuff that's either good ideas 
or things that make it really difficult. And those things are what are going to teach you. So when you go to your next film, you know how to do it even better. And so realistically, the best way to become a good filmmaker is to go out and film and film and film and film. And you learn a lot of stuff along the way that allows you to be better. Like, there's no other way. I, I know you can go and read about it, but there's stuff you just always run into that's like gotchas that you have to experience it. Rob says get NFL yeah, uh, understanding like depth and stuff. I mean, for like punches, so you can make it look like a real punch, but they're not even anywhere close to talent. Like that stuff's important. Um, yeah. What's your favorite filming location? Oh, filming location. I've really enjoyed filming outdoors. It's just, it's easy to find locations and you don't have to go and get someone's like permission to film there. Like only if you're going to go film on like BLM's land, you have to get like a permit. So you go and get permission from BLM or like from uh, the forest services, but like, you don't have to go to some person's house and be like, Hey, can we, can we film in your house? You know, like that sort of thing. So um, I like shooting outdoors. It just makes it a little bit easier. Um, and it's also just naturally beautiful. It's there. You don't have to do anything to set it up. Um, and you can't film everything like that, but like if you set your, film in the outdoors it makes it easy though so. plus you have a uh, a natural light source yeah that's the other thing you're gonna have to worry about the sun when you're filming outdoors and so you have to pay attention to where that sun starts and where it ends during the day because it's going to change like very drastically over the day where the shadows are and stuff so yeah i don't think a lot i mean a lot of people well people in the film industry don't think about that but i don't think a lot of people not in the film industry think about how hard that is (laughs) rob says we don't need permits (laughs) it's true you can totally gorilla it and uh and do it without permits but someone could technically come after you like there's legalities to it and stuff so you usually want to try and get permits if you're you know being serious so yeah uh i saw a one person mentioned mentioned how they film a lot of the scenes in The Mandalorian. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what they oh, do. Yeah, it's the BTS where it's like all on a, a stage and it's got videos and it like it's all like yeah they don't they don't use green screens. No, it's like actual Unreal Engine or type graphic that moves with camera and stuff, so like it keeps the background or whatever. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. They used to, back in the old days, they would film with, uh, like, when they did, they wouldn't use green screens. Or they would they would do, like, like a projection screen behind the people. Yeah. And now That's they're actually, doing that again. Yeah. It's, it's really effective, actually. Um, if you're ever doing, like, a car scene, driving and doing a car scene is really dangerous, actually. But you could actually use a projector, film footage of driving or download some footage and then you just project it on a wall and then like you're filming in the car and it looks like you're actually driving the actors just have to kind of uh move with it and then since you have a projector it also bounces light so you're getting some of that light spill from those colors from the outside so it actually works really well when you're green screening it you get a green uh of light when light bounces off of it so you're not getting the colors that are coming whipping by as you're driving so I think projectors are awesome for that like sort of stuff. Just... Yeah, it is. Um, one of my favorite movies is Bullet. 
And one of the things they did really well, and the, I don't know, have you ever seen Bullet? Bullet, I don't know. It was a, a, it had like one of the best car chase scenes ever with the green Mustang. Ninety six. No, no, it was an old movie. Older than ninety six. Oh yeah, it was like uh, with Steve McQueen, I think it was. Oh man, I don't think I've seen it. Well, that was real driving. Or was it projector? No, it it was real driving, uh, real driving. Um, but one of the things that they did really, really well in the movie is um, they their sound guy was awesome. Mm-hmm. So he like did like the actual like red map matching of the car and stuff like that. So if you're a car guy. A lot of times in movies, you you see something like a car chase scene, and and it's not exactly it, no, it's it, it, it's it's not. It, it's like no, it's it's the bullet movie from nineteen sixty eight. Uh, but yeah, it's spelled B U L L I T T, so not like a bullet bullet. And. Uh, as a financial and the um but the cars chasing they did a really good job on sound so that brings me to my question do you think sound is something that people don't think about when they think about movies but it's something very important oh for sure uh you'll notice bad sound before you notice bad video (laughs) like (laughs) like that's that's one thing people will be like this movie sucks and it's because of the sound sometimes. Yeah. Like, it could be bad post sound or, well, usually it's bad post sound. if like it sounds bad because it's to some extent, like someone can clean it up in post, you know, the, the, the mixing and leveling need to be right. So that certain sounds are louder than others. And like that you can pick up voices or whatever it is you need to be listening to as an audience better. And um, most Indie productions, when they haven't figured that out, that's one of the things you notice all the time uh, with indie films is that, oh, the sound's not very good. And I'm talking like indie films that you see on YouTube that aren't actually on, like, not like feature films being sold because um, those usually have people that know what they're doing and their sound's usually generally good. So, yeah. Sound, some people would say sound is more important than the actual quality of video. Right, well, you definitely do notice it more. Yeah. You give someone a bad video with good sound, they'll probably watch it all the way through. But if you give someone a really crisp, nice-looking video with really bad sound, they won't want to watch it. It's just going to irritate them. Yeah, so that's one of the things I think people overlook when it comes to filmmaking. What are some of the other things that people overlook that make or break a film that people don't think about? Oh, what else? Um, did you say you needed a gorilla for filming? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> gorillas all the time. <laughs> uh, what would make or break a film? I would say you need people who are going to see it all the way through. Um, that's the other thing that a lot of the time stops a film from uh, completing is people who just don't finish the edit. They film it and then like they have everything done. And then, like, they just never go and, or they start to edit it, 
and then they like they're like upset that it's not the vision that they thought they had when they like when they were making it and so they're not happy with it and so they shelve it they just don't finish it like i think there's a lot of people that do that and i think you need to finish it even if it's not what you thought it was going to be and still make it good um just because it it makes you a better filmmaker completing things if you're always the person who just like gives up because it didn't turn out how you thought it would then you're going to always have projects like that and then you're like inconsistent and if someone wants to hire you like why would they hire someone who's inconsistent like that's a bad investment so yeah i mean i can i can see what you're saying um for like the in post post is for people who don't know post is basically when everything is filmed and you're like doing the editing and everything else like that and that usually takes a lot lot longer than the filming well, what what what's like the ratio do you think to filming to actually doing the edits so depending on well for our for instance our shooting schedule we started in october and we finished around i think it was like march or something like close to march that's a fairly lengthy shooting schedule but we were shooting weekends a lot of the time because a lot of us have day jobs and so we couldn't shoot during the week and then like we took some pto as well paid them off um and shot this over that long period of time. Normally, like they'll shoot a film in like a month or month to three months, and that's like done. We we've done it like maybe six months, but our post is probably going to be close to that, or less. I would hope. So. Are you doing the edits yourself, or do you have someone doing the edits? I am doing it myself because I've done most of the stuff previously myself, and so. I feel confident in myself. I don't have an editor who I can say, this guy will get it done right. Um, and it's also extremely expensive to pay someone to do that because editing is very time-consuming, as you mentioned. And so most people who aren't passionate enough, they can actually... Getting stuff done is important. Um, there's a lot of people who will hire an editor. The editor is busy working on paid projects and then he has like this passion project that's kind of on the back burner and that's the other reason it doesn't get done is because he's doing the paperwork because that pays his bills your stuff is sort of like eh, he may not be super passionate about it but like you get the person who made the film like who wrote it and directed it he's going to be very passionate and want to finish it so like that's why i'm editing it because i know i'll get it done if i pass it to someone else and like it's probably going to sit on someone's computer and just sit there. Yeah, I have a friend that does uh, like documentary filmmaking, um, and uh, he doesn't edit any of his own films. Mm-hmm. But he he pays. Yeah, editor, yeah, he's if he's paying the editor too, that's going to make it so that the editor is working like on that project, you know, full time. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he usually pays um, an editor. Well, he well they have their own editors but um i mean that that's the guy's job yep so it's not like hey you know this is a passion project as soon as there's a budget i would likely find someone who's a capable editor and uh and when i say budget like something closer to what hollywood has (laughs) not like you know do you have any other film projects in mind that you want to do um there are uh rob has one that he's been writing um that's 
in that vein of um, Rob. Why didn't of, you tell me? Yeah, Rob. Rob, uh, do you want to talk about this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Rob has a script. It's uh, I, maybe maybe we, we shouldn't mention it because then someone might take it. <laughs> but it's like boxcar. Uh, yeah, there you go, boxcar. It's he would be able to pitch it better because he has a better idea what it is. I kind of have a basic idea. It's like kind of a tactical uh, post-apocalyptic. I, I want to say it's post-apocalyptic, but it's more like yeah, he's got a pre-script, but yeah, well, you you can register. He's working on something. He's working on it. Like there, there are other ideas, and then there's also uh, I've got that series that I that I started a while back. That those I've got more episodes written that I want to film as well. Like I was planning on shooting some of those before COVID, and then kind of had to halt. See, I I come from the book world. I'm I'm an Amazon best-selling author. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you know I've never written a uh, like a script. Red Dawn mm-hmm. meets Gray Street meets Michael Collins. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, I might want to try to um, read read that book. Read Save the Cat. It'll it'll like give you a lot of information about script writing uh, in a small book. It's like is it like a hundred something pages or so? I forget. It's like it's not too long, but it it teaches a lot of good amount of like good good concepts and then like some basic ways that films are made all the time, like genres basically yeah i mean i just want to push myself a little bit i got uh amazon has this like uh novella thing that they're coming out with that i'm uh mm-hmm. part of so they want me to write like like a five series novella type thing okay for their launch for the amazon i guess their kindle prime thing nice uh but they want me to write it but they haven't but i don't have i haven't really even came up with any ideas so i haven't really agreed to do it yet until i decide if i could come yeah. up with something or not uh special k Pinoy says what do you think of the car chase scene in the sequence and extraction i don't know if you've seen that movie good movie it was extra- extraction was the one with uh chris hemsworth wasn't it yeah that was like an insane very well done, like one take, wasn't it? That was this. Yeah, it was one take. Yeah, I think there was probably some cuts in it, but it looked like one take. Um, I want to say this doesn't even fall off at some point, and there's a swap of actors as the stunt actor falls. Yeah, and so they had to have cut somewhere. <laughs> they had to cut, it. but they filmed yeah, it like take, a one take. Yeah, yeah, one takes usually have some cuts there, but they're all hidden. They're all invisible. Like, you don't see the cuts, but they're there. Um, but no, that was an insane, very cool, well done uh, car chase scene. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Um, I remember seeing some BTS, but I don't remember what the specifics were of the BTS, but it was a really cool BTS video of that. So, I knew they filmed it like a one take where it, it wasn't really a cut, but... Somehow they switched. There's a BTS beyond. Where's this swap the camera to someone or something? I know yeah. they're passing off of cameras yeah. and all that yeah. happened during that, which is insane. Yeah, so it, it wasn't really a cut cut, but it was. No, no, you know, no. He ducked I, out I of the way, another another guy comes up, yeah. you know. There's um, some crazy I don't know why they did maneuvers that, that they do in film. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. I, I know the... Uh, 
they were saying they wanted to push themselves and try to do it in a way it's never been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they did, I think they did some really cool stuff with it. So like anyone who watches that is glued to it the whole time. It's just, it was just fun to watch it. So Yeah. So are you guys going to work on and film Rob's vision? We plan to. That's that's the goal. Uh, he's got his his idea for a script. It's going to definitely need a bigger budget than Permafrost, and so we're going to have to also possibly do some crowdfunding or something um, to get that rolling, or find someone who's like an investor that's just like here's some money. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. That that's the hard part. Movies are not cheap to make. No, they're, they're expensive. Especially when done right, they're expensive. So. Although they're getting more affordable. Yeah, you can do them without having to spend a lot of money, but then like you're usually spending a lot of energy and time of people. And that gets expended as well at some point. Like if you've got friends who are helping on set, um, at some point they might be like, hey, um, I've got to do this gig over here because I need money. I'll do a cameo. Hell yeah. Yeah. He needs a cameo. <laughs> yeah. Never been in a movie. <laughs> yeah, so there's plans for that. I'm I I see the us doing a lot of other stuff and it, it'll be kind of in the similar uh genre of either prepping or post apocalyptic to some extent. I don't think we're gonna go and do like some sort of romance or something. <laughs> Yeah, my cousin was a producer on um, on Arrested Development, mm-hmm. but didn't really like Hollywood, so she moved back to yeah. Um, Wisconsin. Yeah, I think like um, I mean, it can be sort of fun to make some of those films, but you have to make what you love to make. Otherwise, you get burnt out, or you just don't have a desire to do it. And that's kind of like my thing. It's like, I want to be making what I enjoy to watch. Otherwise, like all this work that I'm putting into it, it's going to burn me out and I'm not going to want to do it anymore. So like I want to do what I love. And so what I'm passionate about. All right. Any timeline before we will see permafrost? Like I said, if we go to Sundance, it might delay it, but I would hope that we can have it by winter. But the thing is, Sundance is usually January. <laughs> so the the goal would be Sundance bromance. <laughs> hey, bromance is okay because you could do a, a tactical post-apocalyptic action film with bromance in it. Like, no problem. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you think post-apocalyptic uh, movie, the movie genre is getting old? I don't think it's getting old just yet. Um, That's from the audience, by the way. Zombies are getting old. Uh, I think The Walking Dead is going to die soon. Well, it, or, there's only one more season. Yeah, they've already kind of killed it because zombies have kind of fallen off. The, All, uh, although they're doing, they have like two other spinoffs and they're about to do a third spinoff. And then they're doing three movies, so they're not. Oh, so they're, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like zombies isn't as viral as it was before. I mean, like they had tons of people watching The Walking Dead initially, and then it kind of lost a lot of that initial crowd. And now it's kind of a steady, like this is your audience. 
Um, but in terms of like the question, uh, is post-apocalyptic dead? I would say no. And my example would be like Quiet Place uh, that just came out. It did really well at theaters during COVID as well. I mean, it's kind of post-COVID, but it's still kind of COVID. Um, but that's a post-apocalyptic film, uh, The Quiet Place. It's, you know, the world's ended because of some sort of alien invasion, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no spoilers. But I think there's still plenty of stories to tell where the world... I mean, well, another example is that uh, Chris Pratt one that's coming out on Amazon Prime. I mean, that, they're uh, still releasing lots of different... Which one's that? Uh, what was it called? <laughs> Shoot, I just saw... Chris Pratt tomorrow, is the man. Yeah, it's like it's called Tomorrow World or something. World, oh, what is it called? Right here. Yeah, Chris Pratt is actually. Yeah, the Tomorrow War. Tomorrow War. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That one's very post-apocalyptic. It's somewhat sci-fi at the same time, but I think uh, post-apocalyptic is very sci-fi in itself, just not as techy. Yeah, that, that, that comes out soon, right? Yeah, it comes out. I think uh, this month. I uh, no, I think it's next month. I think it's Ju- is it July? July. Okay, July. I think I mean, it's like uh, July Fourth weekend. I think it's like the second. Oh, that would be a good time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I see plenty of room for. Yeah, it says July second. Uh, <laughs> plenty of room bam. for post apocalyptic <laughs> films to. Uh, to do well like sci-fi i think doesn't do as well lately um i don't understand why that of that yet but if you mix it with post-apocalyptic it's been doing better um just if you look at like box office stuff uh all right well we've been on for over an hour talking about this uh what a lot of people don't realize is filmmaking and films, even though I've never made a film. I made a short film one time, but that was cool. That was I had to rent all the cameras and stuff. Uh, it was just for me to make, and then I never really did anything with it. I just wanted to make it, so I got actors together, hired actors, mm-hmm. rented cameras, got a sound guy, <laughs> filmed it, and yeah. like, all right, I I did it, edited it, got it, did it. You know, I filmed it, I screened it one time at my house, and I was like, all right, I've done it. Right. It's it's a lot of work. That's why I say like you have to do what you love, otherwise it's gonna just be like never doing that again. You know? Yeah, well no, I, I I do want to do it again, that's the whole thing. I just Oh really? So yeah. I mean well you must have been doing something you love. <laughs> yeah. Motel yeah. rooms don't count. All right. Great show. I need a gorilla for a film. John has my if you need a gorilla for a fr- film, Gorillas and Guns is willing to do it. Um They've they've got gorillas? Gorillas, uh, I don't, no, he doesn't have a gorilla. He is a gorilla. Oh, he is a gorilla. Gotcha. Uh, his nickname is Silverback. He does a bunch nice. of uh, gun stuff on YouTube. All right. Oh, cool. So tell people where they can find information out about your movie, Lenny. Uh, all right. So if you're familiar with IMDb, you can find it there. Uh, it's permafrost. And then if you want to follow us on instagram there's permafrost.movie uh that one will have pictures as well as announcements when like like we released our trailer on there and then uh the other place that 
I put trailers out is on the Zealot film. Uh, yeah, I I know. I w- I've been hit up. Uh, when we go live, it supposed to send out a notification. It, it didn't send out a notification today. All right. So, I mean, there's there's that place as well. Uh, you can go to the Facebook page, uh, which is permafrost.movie, I believe. Uh, double check. And if you follow that, you can also be alerted when um, new stuff gets put up. And then also there's the website, permafrostmovie.com, and you can sign up for the email list, which then you'll get direct emails of when stuff's coming out and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, that would also be the best place. You're gonna have to send me a special secret link when the when you have the movie done. Okay. Hey, Sony does. What's that? Sony sends me links for movies. Oh, nice. Well, I will send you one. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, I don't know why they do. They just somehow got on some list, and I get these like movies where you sign in to watch. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm supposed to be reviewing them, but I just watch them. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not a movie reviewer, but I, I reviewed sure. one movie for them, which was, uh, a, 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 I don't know, the movie, old movie Sniper. They did a sequel to it. Uh-huh. So I reviewed that movie for them, and so now I get all, like, these advanced links. So I just watch all these Sony movies. Nice. Did you see uh, the new Venom? <laughs> no, no, I haven't got that. I was about to say. <laughs> That's pretty nice. Yeah, but it's it's interesting, and I'm not really sure why that happened. Hi, yeah. Mr. FNH. Yeah, YouTube usually sends out a notification when I go live. My viewer count was kind of low today, and I couldn't figure out why until people started hitting me up. And for some reason, the notification didn't go out to everyone. Mm, that's no fun. But yeah, but, oh, cool. uh, but but it went out now, and that's why we're seeing people come in now. But oh, are they going to be able to watch? Like, uh, they're going to be able to watch the uh, replay. So if you just come in now, you can see the replay. I have no idea what was going on with YouTube. It must have been some type of error. So watch the replay yeah. because I'm not doing this again. I give you one hour a day, and that is it, people, yeah. on this. All right, my name is John Crump. You can follow me at crumpy.com. Be sure to check out my news channel where I do gun news and news of the day at John Crump News. And with that said, I guess we are done for the day. Thank you, guys. And um, I'll be back tomorrow with Walt Anderson. <laughs>